Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FamilyRoadSupports.com. I hope you all had a, a good week and a safe weekend. I am here talking my favorite Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, Bob. I am one book closer to my New Year's resolution of reading a book a month. This is the year I'm going to do it. I've made this resolution now five years. I failed <laughs> each of the last four. This is the year. One month down, one book down, 11 more to go. That's good. I mean, you, you are right on track there. I I have a goal of 52 books a year. Um, Way and, to just w- yeah. like one-up me there. <laughs> that That's once a week, and I myself have never met that, um, and I'm already behind. So uh, good for you for, for, for staying on track in your goals and reading. Um, just take my resolution and beat it with a mallet. Why don't you? <laughs> I'm sorry for one-up. I mean, you're certainly well on track to meeting your goal. I, I am not, but um, that's good. I mean, reading is fantastic and is uh, a lost art these days. So I'm glad we're both, we both are of like minds in that regard. I'm also 10 Sudoku's into the 200 Sudoku book your uh, fiance gave me. So good. It's pretty cool too. And I'm not sure where she's at on the book that you gave her, but I, I, will, I will check in and see how, how that is going. Um, the reason we, we were probably reading and doing Sudoku over the weekend is, uh, you know, we are slowly entering a, a law in terms of exciting sports uh, weekends, uh, mainly because the NFL is going out of style. Obviously, we have the Super Bowl next week. But um, Chris, the, the most boring all-star game ever, the Pro Bowl was over the weekend. I, I had no interest in watching it. Did, did you have any interest in watching it? No, not at all. I honestly don't even know who won. I don't care about the Pro Bowl at all. Yeah, I, I I don't know who won either. I know it was a close game, and apparently somebody tackled somebody, and, and people got upset about it. But I I could care less, and I did not tune in at all. I watched some Cavs when I, when I was watching sports, but uh, the Pro Bowl uh, certainly featured uh, the staple of the Pro Bowl, Mister Pro Bowl himself, Joe Thomas, uh, a a perennial Pro Bowler, ten straight Pro Bowls. I mean, clearly the, the the preeminent left tackle of his generation, our, our own Cleveland Brown, Joe Thomas, was there in action. Um, it, it's a foregone conclusion that Joe Thomas is headed to the Pro Bowl every year. He's that consistent. He, he has never missed a, a snap uh, in, in his career, um, certainly deserving of, of all the accolades he gets. But, you know, Chris, from 2007 to now, other than a few guys here and there, Joe Thomas has really been the only pro bowler the Cleveland Browns have had. Uh, we thought that we would have a discussion, look at this Cleveland Browns roster and identify any future pro bowlers uh, on this roster. Uh, so obviously we're, we're going to rule out guys that have been there before. So that rules out Joe Hayden, um, Gary Barnage and Jamie Collins who, who made it uh, with the new England Patriots uh, and is now uh, coincidentally re-signed uh, to the Browns, uh, you know, we discussed that deal a little bit last week, but um, that deal is now official. So we're ruling out some of those vets that have been there before, obviously ruling out Joe Thomas, and we're going to dive into this roster and see if we can identify any future gems and, and project that out. So, Chris, I mean, who who looks like a future pro bowler on this Cleveland Browns roster? Well, I think we should start with Danny Shelton because – 
last year, obviously a very raw rookie year. A lot of people, I hate when people get impatient with rookies after their first year. Not everyone's going to be Aaron Donald. Not everyone's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. You know, not everyone's going to light it up from day one. Some people take time. Um, you know, look at guys like Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a year or two. Jordy Nelson took a, a few years before they became that perennial uh, consistent receiver. Uh, Danny Shelton took a major step forward from rookie to sophomore year. And, and that's what I'd like to see out of uh, young guys who maybe struggled their rookie year. Now, the other side of that coin is Cam Irving took a major step backward. But Danny Shelton certainly looks like he could be something special on this defense and, and a kind of defensive tackle that could help anchor it for years to come. Definitely improved. Uh, the thing is, the thing about defensive tackles is you're not going to see big sack numbers out of them. It's more of a you know eye test kind of thing. And as the year went on, you just got the sense that Danny Shelton was starting to make things happen in the trenches for the Browns. Uh, I definitely think that Shelton... If he continues to take those steps forward like he did this year, we'll be in the Pro Bowl one day. Uh, but again, it, it's all predicated on whether or not he can do that in year, what he did in year two from a progress standpoint in year three. For sure, and, and you want some, some improvement and progress and further uh, uh, improvement in, in the future seasons. I, I definitely agree. I think Danny Shelton what was a bright spot this year, uh, definitely – um, silence some doubters like you said from from the rookie season where he he definitely struggled um, and I agree with you I mean especially when you're a three four defensive tackle the nose tackle you're not going to rack up the stats um, you get to the Pro Bowl by reputation um, kind of similar to Joe Thomas you know Joe Thomas analytically and statistically certainly is one of the better left tackles but there are some seasons um, especially in the, in the past couple seasons where he isn't the number one left tackle but by name alone he's going to that pro bowl if he has a successful season um you know similarly with danny sheldon he has to build up that reputation that's going to take time even if he is the most dominant nose tackle next year there are, are only a few guys that play that position and some of them do it really well um and, and you just kind of our, our voters are going to defer to to the 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 name and the brand that they know so I think Jamie, or excuse me, Danny Shelton has a uh, a lot of work to do, but certainly it is very likely to progress and, and make that Pro Bowl. Um, he was he was probably the the one of the brighter spots of, of that uh, 2015 NFL draft. I'm going to go back one year previously to a guy that um, has kind of fallen on some harder times. Joel Batonio was taken in in the second round in 2014. And when he was playing in between Joe Thomas and Alex Mack, he had a fantastic rookie season. Um, he, he garnered some all-rookie team awards from, from various uh, associations and whatnot. Um, the only thing that is holding him back as of right now is, one, they need to find a legitimate center that, that can play to his right. He plays left guard. Um, Cam Irving isn't really working out. Alex Mack obviously left in free agency. That was a big question, big black hole uh, in this 2016 season. If they figure that out and give him a suitable man on the right, he's got Joe Thomas on the left, I think he will f thrive and, and definitely uh, regain his status as one of the better interior guards. And also, I mean, his, his season has ended two years in a row now with lower foot injuries and ankle injury in 2015. And then uh, just a foot injury in 2016 that his season ended really early. Obviously, he needs to stay healthy. I mean, he's playing against a guy 
in Joe Thomas, who hasn't missed a snap in 10 years. Um, you know, that's how you get to the Pro Bowl on the offensive line is consistency and staying healthy. But I, I, I like him, I, I, and certainly he showed that he is able to perform at, at the highest level in that interior line play. I totally agree. He was number two on my list as well. I think what's holding him back more than a consistent center, not to minimize that point, uh, but is the injuries. I mean, you said it best. Last two years in a row, he's just been dogged by them. His season ended a lot shorter, uh, and that that definitely just sent an already kind of uh, discombobulated offensive line completely out of whack when he went down uh, because the Browns went in thinking they had the left side pretty well stacked. Uh, once he went down, then they had to miss the match even more. It just became a nightmare. Uh, certainly certainly a big loss. But the, to your Alex Mack point, let's not forget Alex Mack got hurt six games into his rookie year, and he still put together a solid rookie year overall, even with the 10 games Alex Mack didn't play. So um, Bentonio has shown that he can still play at a high level, even when he doesn't necessarily have that guy next to him, uh, which I think is very impressive, especially since he did it as a rookie. Um, but those injuries have just, just really, the last two years, definitely held him back um if he can get back to health and kind of avoid some of the bad luck that is getting hurt in this league uh, I think he certainly could play in the Pro Bowl one day uh he's definitely much needed on this offensive line and uh when he's healthy um it it, it's definitely a a huge plus for this Browns team yeah for for sure I mean he has the anchor right next to him uh if you add somebody right next to Joe Thomas you now have a left side of line that um, you can build around it and game plan around. So I, I, I do, I do think uh, Joel Batonio still has has a really bright future despite um, the injuries over the past two years. Totally agreed. All right, Bob. So so we talked off Mike. You you had you and I have one guy who's who's a wild card. So I, I want to know who's on your list. Who who I'm different on. Oh um, yeah. So I, I I think that there are only three. Uh, future pro bowlers on this roster we obviously we've talked about two of them and Danny Shelton and Joel Petonio and I was impressed um, and slightly disappointed with what I saw from Corey Coleman but I think that he showed enough to, to show you that there is certainly enough talent there where he can be a pro bowl wide receiver um, obviously that broken hand really hampered his season and you know it happened right after he had a, had a, a really big game against the Ravens and that was really disappointing you know he in, in the second game of the year he had five catches 104 yards and, and two touchdowns when he came back in early November never was really really able to replicate that kind of performance but I saw enough to see that there is pro bowl talent there I think that if the Browns you know fix the offensive line and obviously fix that quarterback position which is a, t- a question as old as the Browns are um, and, and you know a question that we we will always come back to but I, I think Corey Coleman ha- has the talent the speed uh, the big play threat I, I think he can be a pro bowler in the future yeah I agree with you there uh, first two games two ca- well, first game two catches five yards 69 yards solid um, no excuse me two catches 69 yards five targets I butchered that there uh, second game five catches eight targets and 104 yards two touchdown and then he breaks his hand in practice 
I mean, I, I'm not a wide receiver, Bob, but but the hand is a pretty important element of playing that yeah. position. <laughs> and ever since then, even though he got back on the field, and I commend him for playing the last eight games, uh, didn't come anywhere close to those numbers. I mean, you look at some of these disparities. Four catches on 12 targets for 39 yards against Pittsburgh. Three catches on 11 targets. I mean, you know some of these are are drops. I mean, and, and it's just he never found his rhythm back. I'm sure that that hand was a huge part of it. Uh, so it would be nice to see him have a full year where he's healthy. Uh, I think that was the biggest casualty of this year, Bob, is, is not having Corey Coleman, your number one pick, uh, a guy that you counted on to be a weapon healthy for the whole year just so he could get a year under his belt. I, I do think the broken hand has set him back a little bit, but not all is lost. Look at a guy like Michael Crabtree. Now, he was held back because he held out into the regular season and missed time, and that sent him back a year or two. But now look at him in Oakland. He's one of the better wide receivers in the league. He has quietly become a very dominant uh, outside guy. So Corey Coleman's career is certainly not over yet, and, and, and especially when you can point to a, a significant injury like that and, and you look at his numbers before the injury for a rookie man, I mean, it just makes me want to see more of him uh, on the field uh, at full strength. I think if he had played a full year, he may have may had a, a fairly solid rookie year if he could have kept up the pace he was on those first two games. Um, that's a big if given the quarterback and offensive line situation with the Browns, though. Right. Um, but no, certainly he showed enough that, that he could potentially play in the Pro Bowl one day. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's there. I, obviously, wide receiver uh, is a stacked position year in and year out. And, you know, guys ha- have big seasons, and it's a very statistically driven season. Uh, on top of you have some bona fide superstars at the top there. So it might be hard for him to crack it unless he emerges to be a, a, a true star. But I, I think the talent is certainly there. And with him being a big play threat, a, a, a speed guy that, that can get down the field, I, I do think that there is certainly a, a lot of potential. And it's not like he missed the whole season. He did. He got 10 games under his belt. He had a whole off season of training camp and preseason. Uh, I, I, I do expect big things from him in year two, uh, especially if they uh, address some of those other needs on the offensive side. So I, I've named my three, um, and obviously that's not good when we're looking at a you know, a 52-man roster, and, and we've ruled out obviously four previous Pro Bowlers, and I only think that there are three guys there good enough to make the Pro Bowl. Chris, who, who is your fourth guy? I actually think Emmanuel Ogba has a lot of potential. Um, I know the sack numbers are not you know great, uh, as a defensive end, uh, certainly, uh, you know, only about six sacks or so. Uh, but the but the point is, uh, you know, he's a rookie, and he's playing on a defense that that does not have a lot around him. And I thought that that he certainly had a very solid rookie year. He played every game. He was productive every game, at least involved every game. And I think that he has the raw talent to eventually take that step forward. I mean, you look at what Danny Shelton did this year in his year two. Imagine if Emmanuel Ogba can do that next year, and then you have Shelton take a step forward. Now you maybe have two guys on that defensive line who certainly could, could be some building blocks. So so I definitely think uh, Emmanuel Ogba um, showed me something enough this year that, that he could have future Pro Bowl potential. Yeah, I, I, I really like Emmanuel Ogba, and I think that's a, a really good point. And I was on the fence uh, uh, w- with him and, and and analyzing that. I think playing the uh, the end 
outside linebacker position in the three, four, um, opposite of Jamie Collins, who, who is definitely going to command a starting spot. I, I don't think that the Browns are done supplementing that position. And I question whether Agba will be a full time three down, uh, linebacker just because of some of the, uh, things that he lacks in terms of pass protection. But, you know, certainly uh, just from one rookie season, I like him on the team. I think he's going to be a really vital part of the team and has a, has a big future ahead. But I'm not sure if that is going to translate to uh, being one of the preeminent pass rushers in the league. Yeah, time will tell. Um, two other guys I like, but I don't know if they're quite at the Pro Bowl level. I like Christian Kirksey. I also like Carl Nassib. I thought they had solid seasons um, I, I do think the one bright spot on the Browns is I think that they had some guys on this front seven who can be solid contributors. I think they need one more playmaker, but if they can get that extra playmaker on defense, I think all these guys will kind of slide down a peg and really start to shine. Uh, so I do think the front seven could be an area to watch next year, and hopefully it takes a step forward and brings this team forward with it. For sure. I, I, I think they're, they're definitely solid. They have lots of depth. Um, and, and and some talent and some young guys that can can improve and, and maybe slide into a playmaking role. But I agree with you that they, they are one, you know, leader star short of having a a competent front seven. Um, and certainly there are some intriguing prospects that they could uh, address that with in the draft as we head closer there. Not going to talk about the draft just yet, but uh, it's certainly getting closer, Bob. I mean, once free agency hits, I think the picture will get a lot clearer with regards to what the Browns potentially will do with that number one pick. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we'll have lots of discussions on this podcast about what, who, who's hot, who, who they should take, what they should do. And we'll certainly uh, do a lot of uh, draft previews heading uh, up to the NFL draft. Um, well, I, I did mention at, at the start, Jamie Collins, you know, signed a $50 million four-year deal. Uh, I didn't really get your opinion on that. Are, are you happy with, with the numbers and having him long-term on the team? Yeah, I'm happy having him long-term on the team. You're talking about a guy who's a pro bowler with New England. I mean, talk about New England. They're a wealth of, you know, talent. They can just trade away a pro bowler and still make the Super Bowl. I would love to have that kind of success one day. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, Jamie Collins, certainly a welcome addition to this Browns team. I think he helped the defense uh, in, in the second half. And, uh, yeah, he's a young guy. Uh, you knew he was going to command a pretty penny, but you had about eight games to look at him and, and see if he was worth it, and clearly uh, he was. I, th- I certainly think he deserved a, a, a contract and a chance to to be a cornerstone on this defense. You need some veteran leadership, especially at linebacker. Uh, so, yes, I think it's a very good signing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, a guy entering his prime who's already shown that he can play at a Pro Bowl level and uh, – you know the Browns ha- have ton of a, a ton of cap space and really no interest in spending it this off season. I don't think we're going to see them make any real big moves. Uh, so you know wh- why not uh, you know keep a, a talent like Jamie Collins, who's by far better than anything else you have in that front seven. I, I think it's a smart move for sure. Well, uh, we will certainly uh, hope for more future Pro Bowlers uh, in the future for the Browns. Obviously, they have a ton of draft picks and, and will. Uh, you know, hopefully draft a couple more guys that, that we can identify as, as pro bowlers uh, in, in future podcasts. Um, moving on the, uh, you know, the Cavs, uh, another ho-hum week. Uh, they might be regaining their footing with, with a quality win over Oklahoma City, but um, there is some discontent 
intentness coming from LeBron, some some interesting quotes and sound bites, um, sending messages through the media and through interviews that uh, moves need to be made, that spending needs to be up. There was a meeting between LeBron and David Griffin, uh, the general manager for the Cavs. I mean, Chris, I I. I I understand both sides of it. I, I'm interested in your take. The whole thing is a little bit puzzling considering that, you know, through all the struggles of the, of the Cavs uh, over the past couple of weeks, and, and it certainly has been a struggle, you know, they, they've lost some games that they definitely shouldn't have lost and ha- have lost big to some other teams. Um, they're still at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're still uh, operating at, at a really high level. I mean, what are, what are you making of all, of all these sound bites and quotes about the the Cavs needing to make moves? Um, first off, I mean, look, I love LeBron. What I don't understand what he's talking about. Spend more money. They spent a hundred and five, excuse me, hundred and eighty five million last year when you factor in the luxury tax payments. I mean, that led the league by a lot. I I don't get how. Spending more money solves the problem. Now, is LeBron frustrated that they didn't spend money on Matthew Delvadova? That could be another issue. Uh, maybe he's miffed that they let Matthew Delvadova go because they clearly need a solid backup point guard and Delvadova fit that role to a T. But are you going to pay a guy like Delvadova starter point guard money? I'm sorry. Look, Matthew Delvadova, a fan favorite here. But he wasn't worth the contract he signed. I I just think that that's bad business. And I don't necessarily think the Cavs need Matthew Delvadova to survive. I think the big issue with the Cavs right now is J.R. Smith's injury. Uh, The bottom line is J.R. Smith did so much for the Cavs offensively and defensively. He was a great 3 and D two-way player. Who, by the way, the Cavs spent money on this offseason. I mean, I don't get LeBron's criticism right now. The Cavs have done everything everything he's wanted they have traded away the future for Kevin Love they've made big trades and brilliant trades Deion Waiters for Shumpert and Smith I mean they get uh, Channing Fry for Varejo I mean we can go on and on and on they just got Kyle Korver for peanuts I mean I don't get where the spending money comment is coming from if you're miffed about one guy getting away that's the only real guy who is, is gone from last year's team. Everyone else came back. They spent money to keep them. To me, the problem is on the floor. And, and to me, the problem isn't really even on the floor. I guess the problem is just it's January. And it seems like every January, the Cavs have a lot of drama because there's nothing else to do. I mean, two years ago, it was about, <laughs> you know, Deion Waiters. Last year, it was about Kevin Love and David Blatt. This year, it's just, oh, we got to spend. It's like it's like they have nothing else to do but talk about drama. I, I, I'm not panicking about this team at all. They don't need to trade for Carmelo Anthony or make something ridiculous happen. And they're certainly spending enough money because everyone from this title team is back, save for Matthew Delvadova, who wasn't exactly one of the big three. So I guess what I'm saying here is I don't get where any of this is coming from. Yeah, it, it is a little head-scratching. Um I definitely understand that the Cavs need to improve and find not not improve but but address the the, the backup point guard position. I don't think anybody uh, in in Cavs management. This is something that you and I talked about in our preview of the NBA season. Uh, I don't think anybody in the Cavs management is content with that backup point guard spot before LeBron started talking. You know, th- this is kind of the most frustrating 
aspect of LeBron James. I love the guy on the court. I love that he's from Cleveland. I love that he supports Cleveland off the court so much. I hate how he is uh, a part-time general manager and I, he leverages his power and his assets amazingly and has changed the league in the way he's done it. And I give him no faults for that, but sometimes he, he comes out and says these things that just really make no sense. It's not like the Cavs are choosing not to address the point guard position. They just, there are literally no options for them to proceed further. I mean, they could go and got, get a guy at the veterans minimum who is currently not playing basketball. I'm not sure if that will be the, the improvement that LeBron wants, but I mean, they're, they're capped out. They're way over the luxury cap. Uh, they have, uh, I'm pretty sure they've traded away all the draft picks that they are legally allowed to trade away. Uh, they have a very limited trade exception. I mean, th- they can't really do anything more I, I think David Griffin is going to find a way to do something, but I mean, it's not like they can say, Hey, let's go get a point guard right now. And they can go get a, a suitable backup point guard. I mean, they, they just, their hands are tied with, with the situation that's due to the Cavs, you know, having a blank check for, for this team and this roster since LeBron came home and spending exorbitant amounts of money, unprecedented levels of, of, of cash on, on payroll and, and exhausting all resources to bring in more players through trades and, and, and trade exceptions and, and draft pick deals. I mean, they have gone at, they've stopped at no cost to, to improve this team and address these needs. I don't understand why now LeBron is, is doubting that. It seems really strange to me. Yeah. I also think that, you know, there's an open roster spot on the roster from the trade. I believe that Griffin is keeping that open because when the trade deadline hits, there are going to be guys who get bought out. And if you have an open roster spot, you can offer one of those guys, maybe a veteran backup point guard, a spot on your team. And so I definitely think it's advantageous for the Cavs to wait till the dust clears and some of these guys who are just throw-ins but can still play might want to come to Cleveland and try to latch on a ring. Yeah. Look at Anderson Varejo. He was bought out by Portland, latched on to Golden State. That's why that roster spot's open. They know they can't make a big trade. I mean, they are, like you said, limited, cash-strapped. They only have a couple exceptions, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. But they do have that open roster spot. And if a veteran gets bought out at the trade deadline, Cleveland's going to look awfully appealing. Yeah, buyouts and also three-team deals. I mean, if you have an open roster spot, there's literally a spot where uh, a guy can be dumped if if that needs to be uh, – so that salary cap can be adjusted for, for the two teams engaging in a trade talk. I mean, clearly I, I have no doubt, no lack of confidence that the Cavs are going to try to upgrade this roster before the trade deadline. I, 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 I don't know why we're, we're talking about this right now. <laughs> I mean, it, we had such a drama-free season for the first time in three years, and, and now all of a sudden – you know, the Cavs are back at the headline, and now we're talking about Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony for the second year in a row. I mean, we, we, we were able to to get by with that for, for for this season. I thought that that was all over, and I don't think that this – I think this is all going to blow over, and, you know, the Cavs are going to start winning th- their usual amounts of games, and, and, and the roster is going to improve. But I, I really just don't know why this was brought to the forefront. Kevin Love is 28 years old. You have him locked up for the foreseeable future. 
Carmelo Anthony is at the end of his career and quite frankly at this point is not better than Kevin Love for this team. You know, I believe you can build around Carmelo Anthony as a number one, but you put Carmelo Anthony with LeBron and Kyrie Irving, I mean, who's going to be what Kevin Love is? A rebounder, passer, stretch four. I mean, he can do so much. Kevin Love is just get, gets, every time stuff goes wrong, it's like, okay, let's just trade Kevin Love or blame Kevin Love. He is the Chris Bosh of this team. He's the guy that everyone just blames everything on when stuff goes wrong. But the fact of the matter is, Kevin Love is so versatile, so important, he needs to stay on this team. And, and I don't understand the Carmelo Anthony for Kevin Love rumors. Um, apparently, New York called about Kevin Love, and, and, and Cleveland smartly said no. So let's just hope that that answer stays that way because um, there's maybe one or two guys in the league I would even consider trading Kevin Love for. Yeah, there aren't too too many that I think uh, I would trade him for just because of the fit. You know, he's such a perfect fit as the number three option uh, can play with both Kyrie and LeBron. There's no uh, clash of style or, or whatnot. He's able to play off the ball a lot and, and thrives in that situation. So I I I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I heard that rumor and I was so thankful that they just shot that down uh, immediately and it had no interest in that swap. Um, yeah, I, I don't really think the Cavs need Carmelo Anthony on the team. They need supplementary, complementary pieces that can play off of that big three. They don't need to make it a big four, especially a guy like Carmelo, who uh, is certainly a supreme talent, but has only ever known being the guy, being a isolation ball hog type player. And I, I don't think that belongs on, on the Cavs roster at this point. Yeah, it took more than a year and a half to get this current group to fit into their role. The last thing you want to do is blow it up and bring a guy like Carmelo in who's going to need to adjust to that too. Um, We've seen the growing pains. We saw it in 2011 Miami. We saw it in 2015 with Cleveland. It's a long process to get guys who are not used to being number two and number three options into that role. And so uh, certainly you don't want to go through that again, especially when you have a core that just won the NBA title and beat Golden State on Christmas Day. Let's not forget that those things actually happened. And it's not like they got blown out of the water by San Antonio. They lost in overtime. And yeah, they lost to Golden State by a lot. But come on, Golden State, that was like going into a hornet's nest. They had beaten them four times in a row. They humiliated them on Christmas Day with their comeback win. Golden State was going to win that game. I mean, that was just... If Golden State didn't win that game, like they would have just not been able to look themselves in the mirror. I, I'm sorry. That was the game that Golden State's like, okay, this is a playoff game. This is game seven. We're going to beat the, the you-know-what out of the Cavs. So they were playing for pride. It's January. <laughs> it's January. Last January, it was so much worse than this, and they still won the title. There's no need to panic over this team. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. Well, I I do think that this is all going to blow over. There's not going to be any new dramatic changes to the Cavs roster. Uh, they're only just going to supplement that, and probably, you know, we we should see within the next month a, a new addition in the Cavs roster. It might not be the star that people are clamoring for, or LeBron is clamoring for, but uh, they will definitely seek all avenues to upgrade that roster, and we will keep you guys posted on that. But heading to the news, uh, Cleveland Indians announcing that they will host the 2019 MLB All-Star Game. I had uh, 
the pleasure of going to the Home Run Derby uh, 22 years ago when it was in Cleveland. Uh, we won't talk about what happened. I still uh, am very upset that Jim Tomey had an offer on that day. Uh, zero home runs uh, broke my, my childhood heart that, that my childhood hero didn't even hit a home run in the Home Run Derby when I was in attendance. But anyway, Chris, I mean, I'm excited that the All-Star game is coming back. Uh, are Any plans for to go? Or I mean, are, are you excited? I am super pumped. I would love to go if I could. Um, I know I'm not a big All-Star game guy, but but that changes when your city hosts it. It's, it's an event. It's special uh, for the city that hosts it. Um, so I certainly would love to, to at least go to the festivities when they're in town, um, you know, All-Star Fest or Jam Fest or whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah. How can you not be excited? I mean, in 2019, it'll be 22 years between All-Star games um, to come back to Cleveland to potentially have I mean you know you this team's going to be together for the foreseeable future uh you could you could ha- be coming off a championship maybe hopefully and, and then host the all-star game I mean it is a great time to be a Cleveland Indians uh fan right now uh it certainly looks like that there's going to be a window of opportunity for for a lot of great things to happen in the city and, and this news just makes it even better Bob did you know that that Cleveland as a franchise has hosted the most all-star games when they host this one six and only two cities New York and Chicago because they have two teams have hosted more that that's pretty amazing I I would not have guessed that yeah I wonder how that happened um because there's no real I I can't think of an explanation that 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 would work for for why they've hosted it more than any other city but I mean that's great I mean obviously Cleveland has a great history uh in terms of the MLB and whatnot, but um, that is, that is pretty interesting that they are going to set the record for that. Yeah, and it, it clearly said franchise. It didn't say stadium Cause, because that, that was what came to my mind. It's like, oh, is it because the Indians have only had like one or two stadiums? No, I mean, it's it's franchise. Yeah, definitely cool. I will certainly try my best to at least partake in the festivities in, in some way. I mean, I'm sure that all-star game tickets are going to be expensive and, and I might not be able to go to that, but I'll definitely try my best to, to enjoy that atmosphere. Um, news, uh, for the team itself, the Indians assigning Austin Jackson to a minor league deal, a lot of incentives attached to that. Um, you know, Austin Jackson was once thought to be the replacement to Curtis Granderson that didn't exactly work out the way the Tigers wanted it to, but I mean, this is a guy that's going to be 30 next year. So it's not like he's uh, completely out of the league yet. I mean, he was playing with the White Sox last year. I, I, I like the move. Chris, what are your thoughts on it? It's Rajay Davis 2.0, essentially. I mean, he's not maybe as fast as Rajay Davis, but the guy, like you said, is only 30 years old. Uh, he's not that far away from being one of the better center fielders in, in baseball. Uh, certainly. I mean, this is just another one of those signings that the Indians make. It's like, hey, you know, if we can squeeze a year out of you, uh, that would be great. And so, yeah, I love the move. I, I don't think that there's a downside to it. It's a minor league deal and incentives will make, I hope he earns every cent because that means he's had a great year. Yeah, me too. You know, Rajay Davis stole 43 bases last year. Uh, Austin Jackson only stole two. Uh, so he might have a little bit of work to do with that. 17 I was, I was stolen going bases the, the year before that. Thing, the veteran yeah. thing and the stolen bases thing. They, they were both kind of veteran kind of deals for sure I, I definitely get that but Austin Jackson at one point was a base dealer and I, I think people still have that association with him um 
if healthy, I think that he can definitely contribute, especially on the base paths and defensively in center field. I, I like that move for sure. Bob, you and I being uh, Shaker Heights High alums uh, can tip our hats to a fellow Shaker Heights alum, Issa Ahmad. He uh, plays for West Virginia. He's a center, and he had a huge game in an upset over number two, Kansas. 27 points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal. He was 10 of 17 from the field and 7 of 9 from free throws. Bob, Shaker Heights guy doing some doing some work in the Big 12. Yeah, man, that that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, that, that, that's exciting. I, I'm really happy for him. I mean, this is a sophomore, six eight, um, little bit of a you know undersized power forward maybe, but um, I, I it's exciting for for sure uh, that that he put up that big game. Um, Shaker Heights. I mean, eventually we'll be able to feel the whole talented uh, NBA roster. Maybe you know Terry Rozier's in the NBA right now, and now Asa Ahmad. Maybe I'm pretty sure Rozier and Ahmad played together for a year. I, I saw Issa Ahmad play, but I did. I don't. I did not see uh, Rozier play because uh, there was another guy, point guard. He was like six five. He was a big guy for a point guard in high school. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but those years where they had Issa Ahmad, I mean, there was one year there, they were locked and loaded. I think this is the year I saw him play, and they, they, it's unbelievable that they didn't get to a state final four, because they had so much talent for those four years. It wasn't just Issa Ahmad, they had, as you mentioned, Rozier, another guy named Cash Blackwell, a couple other guys who were just really good on that team, and, uh, and during that era, uh, Four straight district titles, but but they could never win that regional title. It was unfortunate, uh, but still, still a lot of a lot of success at Shaker Heights for Issa Ahmad. I'm not trying to sell the kids short here. It's just yeah. it's kind of crazy that they that they never got to the state semifinals. Yeah, that is interesting for sure. Um, well, good for him. I will definitely keep an eye on him and tabs on him as his uh, career grows and, and thrives. Uh, keeping it local in, in men's basketball, uh, going to Akron. Uh, 18 and three record eight and zero in the Mac uh, Chris th- I mean this is a looks like a, a for real college basketball team not not just in the Mac but I mean uh, do, what are what are what are what is Akron's tournament aspirations at this point well I would think that an 18 and three record if they of course maintain only three losses would be enough to get into the tournament regardless but the MAC has a pretty notorious history of really great teams not getting in, and Akron was one of them. Your Miami Redhawks upset them with that big half-court shot in the MAC finals. That Akron team, I believe, won like 31 games in the regular season. They didn't even go to the NIT. Bob, that that yeah. was ridiculous. I remember that it was like 10 years ago. They didn't even get an NIT invite. Which and they, that was all LeBron's buddies, uh, Romeo, Travis, Drew, Joyce, and them didn't even go to the NIT, and they won more than thirty games. So I, while the record looks great and undefeated in the MAC looks great, eleven game winning streak, great, uh, Bob, I'm I'm still thinking that Akron's going to have to win the MAC tournament to get in. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, you would probably know more than me. I mean, when was the last time two MAC teams went to the NCAA tournament? I believe it was in '99, uh, Miami and Kent State. That was with Wally Zerbiak. I believe so. I believe right. Kent also made it that year, but it, I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, so I don't think there's much love for for the MAC in terms of basketball prestige. You, you know, you have one avenue to get that get to that tournament. Maybe Akron uh, will get some love and uh, will will we'll break that trend. But 
um, yeah, they, I mean, they're playing well and certainly look like a, a, a legit team. Just Googled it. it. It was Miami and Kent State, the 99 tournament. Um, there have been a lot of good teams that could have been at-large bids for the MAC. Um, that Akron one, by far the best of them. And, and the fact that they didn't even play in the NIT is, is a travesty. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, Bob, the MAC just does not get a lot of love. I do think that, that the MAC will only be a one-day league, even with Akron at 18-3. and three. Well, they certainly will enter the MAC tournament if things stand pat as the favorite. So um, tournament aspirations are, are for real for the Akron Zips. Not so much for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We've been checking in, in on them uh, over the ca- past couple of weeks. I mean, I think it's officially time to stick a fork in them. Maybe we stuck a fork in them last week. But 13-9, uh, and 3-6 and six in the Big Ten, uh, 12th in, in the Big Ten in terms of Big Ten standings tied with Illinois. Only Rutgers has a worse conference record than, than the Buckeyes. Uh, I mean, n- no tournament aspirations for the Buckeyes, yeah? Well, the only way they're getting is if they win the Big Ten tournament. That, that is 100% for sure. Um, yeah, th- th- there's no way Ohio State's getting to the tournament uh, absent a miracle run in that Big Ten tournament. When you can only say you're better than Rutgers, that's probably not a good thing because um, yeah. Rutgers is not a very good men's basketball team. <laughs> And Illinois right now is not a very good program either. And I believe Illinois has the tiebreaker over Ohio State because they beat them head-to-head. So the Buckeyes by tiebreakers are probably the 13 seed out of 14. Uh, You're not getting an at-large bid. You're probably not even getting your automatic bid with numbers like that. Um, Miracles do happen, I guess, but um, the only way they're getting in is if they win the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Well, we'll certainly uh, keep checking back in on them uh, to see if anything changes with, with Ohio State men's basketball uh zooming out away from the local sports uh obviously big nfl week the the biggest sports weekend uh of the year one of my favorite days super bowl sunday is right around the corner new england patriots versus the atlanta falcons uh chris give us a preview of that i think this is going to be a really good game one because in the previous six super bowls the patriots have played in uh, they've all been decided by four points or less, three of them by three points, or four of them by three points. So you are probably going to get a really intense game. Uh, the Falcons are for real. Matty Ice got his nickname because he, even prior to this year, uh, is very good at rallying his team back uh, from deficits and, and orchestrating game-winning drives. The Falcons have a dynamic offense. That's going to be a great uh, sort of head-to-head battle. Uh, how can New England stop Julio Jones or contain him? Can they do it like they did Antonio Brown uh, without sacrificing too much on their front seven because they will need to stop the two-headed monster uh, at running back for Atlanta? Um, and then uh, on the flip side, I mean, Atlanta's defense pros different problems than Pittsburgh's do. Uh, much faster, a little more dynamic um, not as one-dimensional as Pittsburgh. Uh, still still befuddled why Pittsburgh decided to, to play zone the whole game and not blitz New England. That would be their strength. I'm I, still trying to figure that one out. I don't think Atlanta's going to make the same mistakes. I think Brady's going to see some different packages, a couple of different blitzes. I do think Atlanta has the talent to get to Brady without blitzing, though. Um, and if they can do that, uh, they do have the speed to cover some of those speedy receivers. Uh, so it's going to be a big game. Uh, obviously, I think it's going to. I think we're finally going to get an epic playoff game. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Atlanta won, but Bob, come on, you know I'm not going against my preseason pick. Got to take New England. 
Yeah, we were talking about that off mic. I mean, you like, you asked me to guess who you're picking. I was like, why do I even have to guess? I mean, I know that you are picking the Patriots. And, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, uh, obviously they, they are the favorite in this. We Atlanta, I mean, defied a lot of predictions and odds getting to the Super Bowl was not on the minds of people when making an NFC Super Bowl appearance uh, prediction. Um, but as we saw throughout the playoffs, I mean, Atlanta could go toe-to-toe with anybody. And Matt Ryan, for sure, deserves a lot of credit. Um, talked a little bit about it last week, though. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, just a, a fantastic one-two punch. I mean, uh, a 1,000 yards from Devontae Freeman, 500 yards rushing from, from Coleman, eight touchdowns from Coleman, 11 from Freeman, both of them have over 400 yards receiving as well. Uh, combine that with Julio Jones, who is just a monster. I mean, this offense is not only dynamic and fantastic, but it is well balanced and uh, probably the most balanced offense uh, in in the league. Maybe only the the Patriots could rival that that kind of balance. But you know, with the with the big play threat that they have and that balanced running attack, they might be. I, I would give them the edge on, on that for sure. I mean, uh, Julio Jones versus Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler's under six feet. Uh, uh, Julio Jones is six foot three and is a big bodied wide receiver. What is that matchup going to be? Um, you know, legacy uh, Tom Brady could could set some records w- with a win. Uh, Roger Goodell w- could give a, a Super Bowl trophy to Tom Brady after all of their legal battles and suspensions. I mean, even the election has come into. Uh, the the Patriots side with, with all the talk of uh, the relationship with the president. I mean, there's so much drama and, and excitement in the Super Bowl. I am really excited. Uh, if I were to make a prediction, it's hard to pick against the Patriots. Uh, they they are uh, they've been here before. They have Tom Brady. They seem like a, a much more complete team on on both sides of the ball. Uh, I would give them the edge defensively for sure. So I, I think the Patriots will pull it out, but. As you alluded to, uh, the Patriots have always provided an entertaining Super Bowl regardless of the result, and I uh, expect no less from this one. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see that Julio Jones matchup too. You mentioned Malcolm Butler on Julio Jones. First off, whoever cards Julio Jones, I think Devin McCourty is going to be on Julio Jones all day. I think McCourty is one of their best coverage guys, even though he's a safety, and he will definitely bracket him. Belichick's been clever with his corners in pass. I remember one year against the Colts, it was the Deflategate game. They actually moved Darrell Revis onto Reggie Wayne and bracketed T.Y. Hilton with McCourty. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that. He might stick um, Butler and McCourty in a bracket situation on Julio Jones because I don't think the Patriots have the personnel to cover Julio man-to-man. So, being the defensive guru that he is, will he waste his best corner on Julio Jones, or will he put one of his secondary corners on Jones, knowing he can bring McCourty over the top and just bracket the heck out of him all day, and maybe stick Butler on one of those quicker interior guys and try to take one of the secondary weapons away? That is going to be something I'm looking for out of that defense. I think it's a very fascinating situation. I want to see how Belichick approaches Julio Jones. But I actually think the key to the game is going to be the running games. Uh, you mentioned the guys from Atlanta, like Garrett Blunt, Deion Lewis, James White from New England, two very quick kind of slot backs in the backfield with a big bruiser in LeGarrette Blunt. I think whichever team can dominate the running game is going to win. Yeah, I, I, I uh, if one team can dominate over the other, I think they, they will certainly win. I, I 
think that with things being so close, I, I think it's going to come down to who has the ball uh, at, at the end and is able to uh, surmount the, the game-winning drive. I think it's going to be that close. All right, Bob, going down under, down to Australia. Bob, it was like a blast from the past in the Australian Open. Yeah, yeah Serena beat Venus, Federer beat Nadal. Um, huge names, even though uh, kind of three of them weren't really all that favorite. I mean, obviously, Serena's always favorite. Uh, a pretty kind of cool to see Federer and Nadal on possibly their last meeting in a final. I, it would, I think it would be tough for them to meet again uh, just with what happened upset-wise. Uh, Venus, obviously a great story, um, battling back from all her um, health situations. Uh, she, you know, there were one time she was getting too fatigued to finish matches, and now she's playing in a uh, Grand Slam final again. Uh, that would have been a really nice story if she would have pulled in one more. But Serena setting the um, Open Era record, obviously. Uh, we thought we, she was going to do it a couple years ago. Uh, it took her a little longer than expected. Um, and then Federer adding 18. So both of them, the, the two, arguably the best women and best men's tennis player uh, bringing home championships. Uh, pretty special. Yeah, that that was really cool. I, we talked about all the upsets last week, and then you know it kind of solidified it as the week wore on that it was going to be Venus versus Serena and, and Nadal versus Federer. I mean, you could have watched your last tennis game 10 years ago gone into a coma and woke up and, and been confused about what year you were in because uh you know th- those those guys uh, certainly are great still but you know we're at the top of their game uh, a, a few a few years removed from the top of their game uh, for, at least for all four of them serena still uh you know going on going on strong and, and whatnot but that was really cool to, to see both of those matches um and, and kind of get one last fix of, of both uh of those matches all righty, Bob, next week's the big week. We will have a champion in the NFL, and uh, I will be broadcasting remotely. It'll be kind of cool, uh, so that'll be fun. But uh, not not at the Super Bowl, just just remotely. But anyway, uh, thank you all for tuning in to Clee Talk and uh, listening to it, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. If you want more Clee Talk, simply go to FenleyRoadSports.com, click on the iTunes icon in the corner, and subscribe or you can search for Fenley Road Sports on iTunes. Click Klee Talk and subscribe there. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports or click the respective icons in the upper right corner of FenleyRoadSports.com. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. We appreciate your support. We hope you come back next week for us to recap the Super Bowl, talk more Cleveland sports, and, of course, you know, hoping the Cavs can iron out that drama between now and then. I and mean, it's only January, guys. Come on. Stop, stop fighting. Yeah. Wait till June. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. And until then, go Cavs. I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.